Hi, I'm Grant Johnson, Chief Marketing Officer at Imburse. Welcome to Imburse on the Mic, a podcast series where we dig into the topics that impact our business and lives, managing expenses, processing invoices, and discovering ways to eliminate time-consuming, error-prone manual tasks to help make our lives easier. Our website is imburse.com. And if you'd like to share your thoughts on this episode, you can reach us at hi at imburst.com. That's H-I at imburst.com. As we discussed in our previous episode, Imburst humanizes work for our customers. Today, we'll ask the question, why does the mission matter most? And hear from one of our customers, Room to Read, how they positively impacted the lives of more than 100,000 children worldwide and improve their financial efficiency by 80%. That's an impressive achievement. With me today is Sherry Friedman, the Chief Financial Officer at Room to Read, an organization that believes world change starts with educated children. Room to Read envisions a world in which all children can pursue a quality education that enables them to reach their full potential and contribute to their communities and the world. Sherry oversees Room to Read's global finance, accounting, legal, and internal audit teams and is responsible for Room to Read's fiscal management, financial transparency, and global compliance. I'm also joined by Heather Peterson, VP of Customer Success Management at Imburse. In her role, Heather leads the customer success and training teams, working to partner with customers throughout their journey and to strategize with customers how best to identify and achieve their goals. Heather joined the Imburse team in 2019 with 14 years of experience working closely with customers in the travel and expense markets. Sherry and Heather, welcome, and thanks for joining today. Hi, Grant. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Grant. Well, let's dive right into it. Sherry, would you mind starting and telling us a little bit about yourself and Room to Read? You know, what does your day-to-day look like? Uh, how does Room to Read work around the globe? Sure. So as you already noted, I'm the Chief Financial Officer here at Room to Read, and I've been here about six and a half years. I'm, I've worked professionally in the international finance field for global consumer brands like PepsiCo and GM and Gap for over 30 years. Personally, I've always found time to volunteer When I was a 16-year-old, I was a candy striper at a local hospital, visiting and bringing books to patients. I've been an ESL tutor, a volunteer on a 24-hour poison control hotline. And in New York, I ran a shelter for the homeless while I maintained my full-time job at PepsiCo. I've always been incredibly grateful for life's opportunities, and I've always been motivated to give back to society in any way I could. But for me, to be honest, I always kept my personal efforts separate from my professional endeavors. Um, even when I served on boards, I always tried to keep my my lives separated. So at Room to Read, this is the first time I've ever been able to bring my professional life and my personal passions for education and service together. Um, and it is probably one of the most meaningful experiences of my career. I'm also a single, full-time single mom. I adopted my daughter, Rachel, from Kazakhstan back in 2004. And you know, during the pandemic, we've been balancing our life and she's a senior in high school trying to apply to colleges and we're trying to keep our dogs happy and our home life balanced all the while while we're just working remotely. You know, in terms of my day to day, there are no two days alike. I juggle everything from financial sustainability. I mean, we rebudgeted 
twice this year. We are, you know, ensuring legal compliance and regulatory compliance in every aspect, every place that we work. We operate in 26 legal entities in 19 countries in, and through 19 currencies. Um, I'm part of an all-woman-led management team where I oversee all the accounting budgets, financial analytics, internal audit, and legal. And we have had a board meeting a month this year as we've had one of the most engaged boards. Um, normally we meet about three times a year, but our board was so concerned about our long-term viability that they wanted to check in every month and have been so supportive of how, you know, we've been able to sort of really quickly pivot both from a programmatic point of view as well as a, you know, a financial perspective. We deliver all of our programming through, you know, in terms of literacy and gender equality programs. And this year we will have impacted 20 million children in our 20th year of operation. Wow, Sherry, that's such an impressive background. And I really love how you've been able to combine your personal and professional mission. You know, at Inverse, we believe that we are here to humanize work and help companies strike that better balance so they can spend more meaningful time uh, with work and as well as community endeavors. And it sounds like you've been doing that your whole life and your company allows you to do both together. So thanks again for joining us. Heather, uh, could you share a little bit of what brought you to Inverse and what does humanizing work mean uh, to you in, in your role? Sure, absolutely. Uh, first of all, that's a hard one to follow. So. <laughs> Um, you know, there were really two things that brought me to Inverse, and that would be Inverse's appetite for innovating and also the passion that they had for their customers. These are two things that have been very important to me throughout all of my career, so it just really was a natural fit for me. For the second part of your question about what does humanizing work mean to me, I'm going to give you the same two answers. It's going to be innovating and that customer-centric mindset. So Grant, tell me, when you get back from a week-long trip, and you walk through the door, is the first thing you think about is, I can't wait to do my expense report. Now, if you say yes, you're going to lose credibility. I'm going to warn you there. Yeah, that would be the, the <laughs> last thing. I'd probably trip over all the receipts if uh, I didn't have Inverse helping me out. Right. I mean, it just it's one of those things no one looks forward to. You want to come home. You want to see your family. You want to watch TV. You want to sit on the couch um, and, and just kind of get back to your regular life and unwind. So when we continue to innovate the expense report process, we're finding ways to make it easier and we're giving people that exact opportunity to go home and relax. So you're gonna use your inverse card throughout the week. You're taking pictures with your phone of your receipts. And the great thing about it is the expense report is essentially building itself. So we can give you that time back. And then you just put the finishing touches on it, maybe while you're in your Uber on the ride back from the airport. You know, the administrative work is a must, but there's nothing wrong with trying to make it quicker and easier. That's great that, uh, you know, you shared how you've been working with the teams during this pandemic. Can you tell us, because you know, Sherry touched on it as well, because it's been such a tumultuous year. Uh, how has it been working with customers and how we've we been able to help them in any ways you can uh, share with us during the pandemic? Sure. So... Part of, part of what we do on the customer success team is we work really hard to make sure that no customer ever feels alone. 
Um, that's really important. And it's what we do from when customers sign their contract, their customer success manager is the one who, you know, welcomes them to the company. And it's that constant, that person who walks with them throughout their journey. Other people come in and out of that relationship, but it's the person that you can go to knowing that their goal is for you to reach your goals. So with the pandemic, when it hit, it really was the place where we could only not talk the talk, but walk the walk. You know, the first thing a lot of our CSMs did was they reached out to their customers to say, are you okay? How are you doing? How are your families doing? How have you been impacted? You know, we did look at the work-related stuff where we tried to offer some advice for, you know, how to quickly adjust to working from home, maybe adding some expense types for those work-from-home expenses. For others, it was, you know, can we speed up that implementation to get you live quicker because we know you have people at home now and they're no longer in an office and you got to pay your cards, you got to pay your vendors. Uh, so we were able to touch on that, but I really like what we did with the non-work-related stuff, uh, which is very important. And a lot of it was our CSMs really just listening. Uh, sometimes we listen to some really sad stories of people who are going through a tough time and offering comfort. Uh, there were times where we were trying to add a little laughter or, or joy. One of our CSMs would show customers pictures of her dog, who is super adorable, by the way. Um, and that would really help make people happy for a minute. And our CSMs found that really, really satisfying to brighten someone's day. But humanizing work is also for our employees. So a lot of our customer success teams were used to being in an office um, and now they're at home and they're just working all day long. Where in you're in an office, you have downtime. It's not just going to lunch with people. It's someone stops by your desk, talk about what you watched on TV last night, talk about what you're doing this weekend. And now they're losing that part of the day. So we started having different types of weekly meetings at the end of the day to maybe a virtual happy hour where you brought your pet uh, to see that. Or we played Pictionary and I found out I cannot draw any better on the computer than I can in person. So that was fun. Um, just kind of a way to still have that human connection, which is so important. Yeah, that human touch makes such a difference, especially in this disrupted work from home, virtual online world. Uh, Sherry, can you uh, share with us, do, does humanizing work, does that relate to you and, and what you do at Room to Read or your own interpretation of it? It's such an interesting way to frame up the question. I mean, I really think it embodies so much of our values-based culture here at Room to Read. And when I think about when I first arrived, we were so underinvested in finance and the accounting function. It just getting people home before 11 o'clock on the weeks of the financial close would have been a humanizing effort. I can't tell you the amount of money I spent on buying chocolates and treats during the grueling audits to remind my team that their efforts were really appreciated. But to really respect my team, I really needed to get my arms around the things that were creating so much manual work and discord within the overall organization. I called them our points of pain. When we implemented our fully redesigned GL system for our organization, we did it with an intent to integrate applications and tools that would automate and streamline what should be routine processes. I wanted to give my team back, as well as others within the organization, more time to focus on higher level work supporting our mission, as well as time, as Heather indicates, to spend with their families and to spend on things that they really care about. The initial implementation gave us back a full two weeks a month across the finance and accounting teams globally. The magic came when we realized that we could redesign the function and locate key people in positions closer to our field operations. 
By using cloud-based tools like Intact, Adaptive, and Nexonia, we were able to really deliver solutions that streamlined what had been incredibly cumbersome processes for our global employees. Our teams are so customer focused now, and we're able to think about that end user experience. And as such, everyone is really well known and extremely well thought of within the organization. We went from being the accountants to people named Apala and Brian and Nancy. We're so strategic and so solutions focused nowadays, no one would want to progress with something new without their highly respected finance colleagues at the table for those early discussions. I can't say enough about the humanization of work and you know how applications like Nexonia have really helped us get through this. Wow, I really appreciate you sharing that. For, for some of our uh, listeners, the Nexonia is one of our uh, offerings in the Inverse uh, family. And uh, we're so happy to hear that it's enabled you to free up time to focus on more strategic work and you know work-life balance and get those two weeks back a month. That's a that's a real tangible benefit. Are there any other changes that you talked about? Is there other ways that it's impacted the lives of the folks at uh, Room to Read that you want to share with us? Well, sure. I mean, we grew up so so quickly, um, often responding opportunistically to servicing children in new geographic locations, we just didn't really have a plan. We hadn't really sort of scoped out how we would grow. And so as a result, we had so many manual solutions and so many things going on that it was just really hard to put it all together. We had a lot of Excel-based processes that weren't scalable. And we were always behind schedule on our closed dates and we had to chase people for receipts. I mean, my team is pretty small and we had to find ways to optimize their time to focus and deliver on the more impactful work. And so we really needed to get a more integrated automated system. Um, A really crucial part of the strategy relied on us finding an expense and time tracking solution. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fabulous. And that's great to hear. Heather, has your team recently launched any initiatives along the lines of humanizing work for our customers? So yes, we actually just launched a new initiative this fall, uh, which has been really interesting to dig into. So it started simple, like all things do. Our, Our product and engineering team was hoping to get some insight into what do our customers love about the product? You know, Uh, Have they said anything that they might like to see in it that could make it better? And this ended up turning into what if we gave our customers a chance to tell us their story, you know, from why did they decide to buy the product? Uh, What were their expectations? How did we meet their expectations? How did they roll out the system? Um, uh, How are they using it today? And then ultimately, you know, is there anything they can think of that we could do better in the system, not only for them, but, you know, to benefit all of our customers? So the program is called We're Listening, uh, which I think is very important because uh, you learn so much more from listening than you do talking, which a lot of people don't necessarily realize. So in this meeting, we brought in um, our executive leaders, we brought in our product and engineering teams, and we just listened to the story. Uh, We sat there and let the team tell their story, talk about their ideas. And the goal of it is we want for their story to hopefully influence our story as a company you know, end up finding ways to be better. Um, So we launched the first one in November. We hope to continue with more of these meetings. And, you know, customers spend so much time listening to us. This gives them a chance to talk. And really, it's our turn to listen now. Yeah, that's really uh, exciting to hear about how the customers have 
responded. And you're right, listening is a skill you have to develop as much, probably have to work even harder as, as talking uh, uh, for a lot of folks. And what I love about that also, Heather, is that part of being uh, a customer of Inverse is you're joining the community. And we have a lot of uh, sharing so that other customers can learn from uh, current customers, new customers, I should say, learn from current customers along their journey. And we want to collectively help everybody get to their ultimate goal and, and destination. Can you tell me and, and share with our, our customers and uh, hopefully future customers on the line ways that you can get involved uh, at Imburst and maybe a little bit about our customer advisory boards where we get valuable input from customers? Sure, absolutely. So during this year, even with all the craziness of 2020, uh, we were able to launch our first two customer advisory boards or, or CABs as, as we call them at Chrome River. One was for our higher ed uh, vertical and the other was for our professional services. And the goal of the board is really for the customers to have that, that formalized collective voice from their community to the inverse leadership. Uh, so the CABs at Chrome River met several times virtually this year. Uh, everyone's getting a lot out of it, which is nice. We're launching another cab uh, for our AP product at Certify in January. And we are also launching a cab uh, at Nexania in January, specifically for the nonprofit vertical. So Sherry, I don't know if you've seen anything about it. I really hope if I can't get you as a customer success manager, I hope we can get you as a board <laughs> member because I think you'd be a great addition to that board. And I know the application process is going on right now. I think you might see my application in there already, Heather. That's well, that, happiness. <laughs> uh, I wanted to switch back to you, Sherry, and you'd mentioned that impressively you have operations. I think I heard, you know, 19 countries, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but operation teams around the world. Has the Imburse uh, solution helped you support this dispersed workforce? Oh my gosh, yes. Um, I think you know that we are using two solutions right now, both time and expense reporting and timekeeping. And in both cases, these solutions replaced Excel-based solutions with so many paper attachments and that needed to pass from person to person for submissions, reviews, approvals, and then finally payments. Uh, processes were so labor intensive and so frustrating for people who I swear often attached the paper receipts, but as they were passed from person to person, they were lost along the way. And I mean, with so many ways for the processes to fail and disappoint, you know, we, we were just always on the downside of that. Um, and so at the very beginning, we implemented the time and expense solution. I, I was really surprised by how quick the adoption occurred. You know, I always think there's going to be some resistance um, to get people to change from a current system because there's just, even if it's a bad system, people are attached to it. Um, but that didn't happen. I mean, we were able to move really pretty quickly to in, you know, to embrace the turn, the T&E processing and payments. Um, most of our global employees really love, you know, the mobile aspects of it and they need those funds. And so they really appreciated the process improvements. And as a consequence to it, when we went to timekeeping, the adoption was so fast. I mean, we were really surprised by, you know, how many people give you that much positive feedback about a timekeeping system. But the truth was our employees just really embraced it. Um, we never have to chase our submissions. I mean, our teams usually get about 90 plus percent submissions on the day they're due. It's really, I, I really have to say that the two applications furthered our commitment as a team to customer service. And they 
really helped our employees, particularly as we went, you know, as we expand project-based um, work into countries even beyond where we're currently operating. We've been exploring and delivering project work in countries like Jordan, Honduras, places where we don't have country operations, but have been able to really, you know, satisfy those employees as well. So with applications like this, you know, our, we've been able to support our remote teams during the pandemic, and the applications really help us during the consolidated audit at the end of this year in particular, where 100% of our 18 audits have been conducted um, remotely. And so we're really, really appreciative of all of the integrated work that, that has come from this. That's great. That is so cool. I, I'm sorry. I want to <laughs> yeah. jump in, Sherry. Yeah, go I ahead. Mean, if you, you know, decide uh, you ever want to be a CSM, you let me know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, CSM for those, uh, the, the customer success manager, it sounds like Sherry's been uh, engendering a lot of success. And by the way, it, it, you know, if you make applications easy to use, intuitive and mobile friendly, it sounds like your employee base is really adopted. I can't think of anyone who says, I want to block two hours from my schedule to do, you know, administrative, painful, manual tasks. So if you free them up, I can imagine the, they embrace that solution. Uh, so, so that's great. You know, speaking of COVID, as you said, 100% were done remotely. Are there are other things that, you know, during this pandemic that the Embrace Solutions have helped Room to Read, you know, pivot uh, successfully? You know, we have been redesigning our programs and I don't want to say on the fly, but normally we deliver our programs in a very, you know, kind of, we call it modularized way. And, and you know, we're, we measure our outcomes across all of our countries. I mean, we've had to go to such localized solutions in almost every single country and every single place that we're operating. And we call it, we're delivering our program where, where the children are. And, you know, there's a lot of talk these days about how technology has really helped, you know, in the education field. But where we deliver our programs, no child has access to technology. They don't have, I mean, they've barely ever touched a cell phone, let alone have internet at their homes. And so we are on radios doing read-alouds. We're on TV. We're literally delivering um any kind of literacy training and mentoring and life skills training for our girls in our girls' education program any way we can to make sure that we don't lose children and they don't lose a full year of their, their um, literacy training. In that regard, every opportunity that we've been able to have um, – remote trainings. So we have accelerated our trainings of our authors and illustrators across the globe. Now we can train more illustrators and authors to write children's books in local languages. And we've been publishing beautiful series of books on COVID. We've been doing a peace and equality um, series. We've been bringing all sorts of new books and putting them up online on our, our, um, our website. And we're able to deliver reimbursements to all of our, um, our authors and illustrators across the globe using our expense management tools. And so I'm really thrilled. And we're able to track time with all of our with all of our remote work and allocate that time to every program and project and we're able to report to our donors in such a way that they have so much trust in our transparency and they have 
really stayed with us during the pandemic. We thought initially, I mean, obviously, we at the beginning of COVID, we rebudgeted. In fact, we rebudgeted twice. But at the end of the year, we have been actually surprised and delighted by the amount of support we have received. And I'm just overwhelmed with the opportunities that our donors have been bringing us in order to continue our mission-centric work out in the field. Well, having uh, reached 20 million people and, and successfully navigated through this challenging pandemic year, can you share with us, Sherry, any of the exciting programs or key goals that you've set for 2021? Well, we're right in the middle of doing our goal setting for the 2021, so you're catching me at a really good time for that. Um, we're in the second year of our strategic plan, and we were able to make progress on our goals. You know, we will have impacted our 20 millionth child, but in our next five years, this is really interesting. We're planning to double that number and reach 40 million children in the next five years. It took us 20 years to reach 20 million children, so that. Our plan has a tr dramatically increasing our scale and reach and our cost efficiency and effectiveness of our program delivery. In 2021, we're gonna be making some investments that focus on benefiting new children um, and using these, what we're calling mixed modality, that's remote plus in-person. So we're hoping that we can sort of take what we've learned during the pandemic and integrate it into our day-to-day -day programming as we get back into schools and are able to really deliver our programs and also deliver it in a more cost-efficient and effective way. I'll tell you one area I'm so excited about is this collaborative effort between our chief program officer and myself in developing how we look at cost-effectiveness of our programs. That way we're linking the financial investments to our programmatic outcomes. And this requires us thinking about our program costs, including people's time, which is the single biggest cost to the outcome data we collect in the field. And so when we think about how Imburse will actually help us, the Nexonia timekeeping application will actually kind of be very integral to how we think about defining and measuring cost effectiveness as we go forward. Well, it sounds like you might not have a lot of free time, but I did have one bonus question. If you do, you want to share with us the last book you read or the one you're currently reading? I think you can imagine I read a lot. I just finished what I consider to be one of the best books I've ever read in my lifetime. Um, and it's called Overstory by Richard Powers. It's just a most incredibly well-written book I've read, and it just takes my breath away with the prose that you know, it's just incomparable. I'm also reading Barack Obama's new book, A Promised Land. Um, and then, of course, to be honest with you, I love a good mystery. I like something that gets nicely tied up at the end of the story. So I love an Agatha Christie or a Louise Penny for sure. I appreciate the predictability and comfort, you know, in those kinds of books. That's, that's fabulous. Well, Sherry and Heather, thanks so much for talking with us today. You're both very inspiring women and uh, leaders uh, making an impact on uh, the planet, uh, your companies, uh, and so many people. And for our audience, stay tuned for our next Imburse on the Mic episode. We're going to be speaking about the future of expense management and what the new developments to give more time back and humanize work are on the horizon that you can be on the lookout for. If you'd like to learn more about Imburse, please visit us at Imburse.com. 
or send a note to hi at imburst.com. That's H-I at imburst.com. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>